and welcome to the Health is Pow Hers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Esparham, and this is your number one podcast that supports women with deep healing using your own intuition as a guide. And just to let you know, we have two new programs as our team is growing, and we've launched a sleep group coaching program for teens based on an NIH-funded intervention for teens who struggle with getting enough quality, deep, and refreshing sleep. And we've also launched our faith-based headache coaching program, one for teens and one for women with two headache physicians who definitely know and have the experience how to heal head pain from within. And there's absolutely no pressure to join the program, but if you'd like to hear more, I would love to share if we both feel you're a good fit. So you can head over to healthispowher.com to schedule your call now. And if you want one, please make sure to grab your spot fast. These calls are going pretty quickly as I'm getting booked and I'm so excited to connect with those of you who schedule now on to the show. And now I'm obligated to tell you our disclaimer that Anna Esperham, MD, is a medical doctor, but she is not your doctor and she is not offering medical advice on this podcast. So if you are in need of professional advice or medical care, you must seek out the services of your own doctor or healthcare professional. As this podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, medical, or psychological services or advice, and none of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any mental or medical condition, as you are responsible for your own physical, mental, and emotional well-being decisions, choices, actions, and results. Health is Power LLC disclaims any liability for your reliance on any opinions or advice contained in this podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Health is Power again. I am super excited to introduce you guys to Dr. Jay Danto. Uh, He is a DO and uh, he was actually my teacher at um, the Osteopathic Cranial Academy where I took 40 hours to learn cranial osteopathy for a lot of conditions, especially headaches, concussions, um, even issues with vision problems. And so I learned so much from him and he is just a wealth of information because he's really helped a lot of osteopathic medical schools uh, from the ground up. He's written books. Um, He's had over 20 years of practice, and um, he has a great private practice right now uh, north of Kansas City, and I am referring many of my patients and clients to. So welcome, Dr. Jay Danto. Thank you, Anna. I really appreciate you inviting me, and it's such an honor to be here on Power. And uh, I'm I'm very, very excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? I just, I hopefully I did some justice to it, but tell us where you got started and and why you really went down this osteopathic path. Well, I I wish it was something very um, moving and fun, fundamental and and something that's life changing. You know, in some ways it is, but I I think it was uh, almost sheer, uh, you know, sheer dumb luck. I don't like to say dumb luck, but yeah, sheer dumb luck. I uh, uh, was had to applied to allopathic and uh, osteopathic schools. I had 
a holistic mindset, I thought I was going to have to go to like an MD school and a chiropractic school because uh, I had been exposed to chiropractic and I thought, um, you know, there's more to um, human medicine to taking care of people than just giving them medications. I thought that, you know, the, the body must, you know, plays an important role. And I saw that as something that was going to be very important in my future. Um, I was a Michigan State University uh, undergrad person. I went there for my degree in uh, bachelor of psychology, and I uh, knew there was an osteopathic school there. I knew there was a school of human medicine there. I didn't know uh, that much about osteopathy other than I had an osteopathic physician who was, um, I have a few osteopathic physicians who were my physicians growing up, as well as my pedi pediatrician was an MD. So it was very uh, eclectic in Michigan. In Michigan, you it's a very uh, DO-friendly state, but uh, just like across the country, it's like osteopathy is this little secret that uh, nobody, there's not everybody is telling what the differences are between osteopathic medicine and uh, allopathic medicine. And uh, currently, I, I wish it was going, I wish I could say something different, but it looks like the trends are going towards um, osteopathic medicine becoming more aligned with allopathic medicine instead of continuing to be tremendously distinct and, uh, and different. So, so that's, that's entirely an aside to what you asked me, which is like, how did I get involved? And uh, so I, I was at Michigan State University. Uh, I got accepted to the DO school, uh, the which was actually better school than the MD schools. It was rated higher. Everybody knew it was better. Uh, so it was a really easy decision. I was accepted. I was waitlisted at another MD school in state. I didn't want to go out of state. Um, that wasn't something that was, uh, I, you know, family is very important to me. I did not want to be far from my family. And so being in Michigan State was a very uh, easy choice for me. And uh, I, I, I started off in like the first week, uh, the first day they had somebody, uh, Dr. Lon Hoover, who um, his father, like, actually is credited with inventing a technique of manipulation. Uh, and uh, you know, so, you know, Lon eventually taught me that technique and I'm one of the, one of the people who practices it. It's not a commonly taught technique. Uh, we taught it for a little bit at Michigan state, but as far as I knew there, as far as I know, um, other than those few years that I was there and we had taught it when Lon was there, um, Lon has since passed and we don't teach it. Uh, the matter of fact, it was called functional and, uh, uh, there was another doctor at Michigan State who tried to break it down and basically invented a different technique. And his technique is called functional now. And Dr. Hoover's technique is called Hoover technique. But anyway, so Lon sat there and said, uh, you know, he said, osteopathy is different and here's how it's different. And you, you know, if you want an osteopathic education, it's available for you here, but you have to want it. You have to go and find it. And, um, that sounded, you know, very, very interesting to me. I wanted to learn more about osteopathy. It was really neat to, you know, this concept that I didn't have to go and go to two schools to learn about uh, treating the human body was uh, exciting to me. So uh, throughout my medical school career, I, I probably did about 100 to 200 hours extra 
training and manipulation each year. Um, went to all sorts of conferences. I did that right through residency as well. I was a um, table trainer for the OMM department for uh, this for for class uh, for a whole bunch of the electives. We used to have electives uh, in manipulation, uh, which uh, uh, we no longer do. Uh, it's all pretty much the curriculum is 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 very similar throughout the country with different emphases and different things. Um, the you know, and it's it it was interesting to be part of that curriculum discussion and to see that and see the way different people taught at Michigan State. And, uh, you know, they just lit me up with uh, this fascination of understanding the human body. And it, it uh, you know, I went on rotations and I was, uh, I was very fortunate because, you know, I was offered uh, residencies right through almost every rotation. It was just fantastic. So I was good a lot of things, but um, I I was especially good at osteopathic manipulation. So I ended up doing my residency in family practice. I did a track internal medicine year, and but everywhere I went, everybody wanted me to do manipulation. Uh, I when I was in my uh, ending my 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 student rotations at Pontiac Osteopathic Hospital, the medical director called me in and he said. Uh, Jay, we want you to set up an OMM clinic. Uh, you basically have a blank check. Michigan State is requiring this, so we have to do this. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we want to do this. It was more of a, it was a requirement. So he says, you go ahead and take care of this and, and get it done for us. And, you know, to enter my internship and I, you know, I, my friends were, uh, were going through their internships and I was like, it's really hard to go through an internship. And they want me to open up a, a clinic that I didn't say I wanted to do. It's like, I'm just learning. I want to learn. And uh, they, so I kind of ended up going to another hospital. And, uh, you know, while I was there, I got exposed, you know, it's like, I think in my first, um, you know, I, everyone knew right away that I, you know, did manipulation. It was very funny when, when I was a student in my first week, because, you know, my friends were already at that hospital. They said, they asked me to go and see another they asked me to go see a patient because uh, the patient had pain. Um, it was they thought it was costochondritis, and uh, um, you know I went and treated the patient, and uh, you know you know I would make that was making the pain go away with each rib I treated, and the patient would look at me like, "How'd you do that?" And I'm like, "This is just what osteopathy does," and uh, you know it was just such a blessing to have that right along the way. I mean, every time, every time I thought, um, I would, I was learning something and I got supported by patients when I went ahead and, uh, learned cranial my first time, you know, I, I came out of my 40 hour course, got back to school. You're going to love this story. I, I got back to school and I'm in an OMM class. It's the first week back in comes one of my uh, friends. And she says, Jay, you went to that cranial course, right? And I'm like, yeah. She says, I got a headache. Would you mind working on me? And I said, sure. So she lays down and I put my hands on her head and, you know, I'm palpating her head and I've got one hand. This is, you know, her side, one side of her head is flat. One side is round. The side that's flat is not moving. The side that is round is moving. And I'm like, 
wow, this is like a side bending rotation. It's like I knew right away what it was. And I sat there and I didn't remember anything very much. You know, I, just, you know, I remembered a little bit from the course. So I sat there and I would treat the, I treated her sutures. Um, you know, I, I did um, the venous sinus, you know, drainage technique, which is a fantastic technique for headache patients. It was actually designed for headache patients. And I got, and I, and I went ahead and I got done treating her and both sides felt round and both sides were moving. And, uh, you know, so she gets off, her name was Amory. Amory gets up and she says to me, she feels her head, she goes and she feels the top of her head. I'm like, and she says, wow, my headache's gone. And she says, and the uh, anterior fontanelle that never closed up that gets spread apart whenever I get my tension headaches has closed. <gasps> and I sat there, she could put her finger about a, a quarter of an inch depth into her, where that spot was. And so it's wow. like, but closed up from the manipulation. And I sat there, I said, well, that's pretty direct feedback. No. <laughs> so no. I, I was very lucky um, and I had a lot of great experiences like that whenever I, um, you know, wanted to, wherever, wherever I wanted, went to the cardiology rotation and, and there was somebody who had back pain and, uh, you know, this is when I was a student and with the, so the, so the resident sits there, says, cardiology resident says, Hey Jay, you're good at that manipulation stuff. Would you go and see the patient, go and see the patient and I'm treat treat him. I treat his back pain and we're rounding later in the day and the, cardiologist is you know trying to recruit me he's like you know he, he he's at the very least trying to recruit me to the hospital let alone potentially into cardiology because he knew you know because i was a good a good student and he sat there and and everywhere he said this is my i you know introduce this is my outstanding medical student student dr danto and he would introduce me to every patient and so we go in and he's good but he's going through he's going through his residents he's going through his fellows he's going through the intern and then he goes and he says and this is, and before he get a, he had a chance to say who it was, the you know this patient sister said, "Oh, that's the guy who cured me," because he was there. It was a, it was a courtesy consult. This was in a day when they used to do courtesy consults. Oh, this you know because yeah. he was a cardiology patient, they would consult the cardiology um, department. But the reason why he was consulted was um, he couldn't urinate, so he couldn't urinate, and he was consulted. And you know, so he had prostate cancer. He had his prostate removed. Uh, uh, they had a radiation. They did it twice on him. Okay, they did two surgeries on him. You know, so you know, it's like there's no reason this guy should not be able to urinate. I go in there, I treat him, and not only did his back pain go away, all of a sudden he could urinate. He was discharged that day. Um, so it's like I, I, I was been, I've been very fortunate that I've uh, had these great experiences. I had patients I was consulted for for. Um, chronic uh, uh, kidney infections. Have you ever seen somebody with chronic kidney infections? Mm -hmm. You know, yes. just, you know, it's just, you know, a young person, young, a young lady, uh, she was, you know, consulting, you know, and, and so I went in there um, and that was almost the same, you know, palpatory findings as that guy who had the prostate, who had the, you know, the urinary problems from the prostate. I just was fascinated. This was before I really learned, um, how to do visceral manipulation, how to do kidney manipulation. So it's, it's just uh, mind blowing to me. Uh, um, some of the things that we've seen and we do, uh, you're going to be in Kirksville. You're, you're going to find that you're consulted on a lot of um, uh, uh, patients who have pneumonia 
And uh, it's, it's, you know, the, one of the common things we used to do or that used to be part of physical examination was you'd feel the ribs for respiratory excursion. They found that if you feel the ribs for respiratory excursion, and this is out of DeGowans and Gowans, which is the uh, allopathic, you know, original physical examination book. And they said, if the, it was, they said, this is the, the main test you got to do to see if the ribs are moving when somebody's breathing. And, you know, so sure enough, we, you know, it's, it's a, it's a more powerful test than listening with a stethoscope as far as, you know, the results you get from palpating and just seeing if the ribs are moving versus it's more, you know, more reliable and it's more specific. It's more sensitive. Wow. So it's like a, this great test. And what happened was when we switched to the, to the, the Bates book, which is like a nursing book, they, uh, you know, originally it was a nursing book and they, but it was really well formatted. So it ended up becoming something that was generally adapted by um, allopathic and osteopathic schools is for the physical examination book. But they, for whatever reason, they don't have feeling for respiratory excursion in it, and they, 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 they dropped it. So it's, yeah, it's, I've never uh, done that. Really I don't fun. think so. As an MD, yeah. no, I don't think I've ever learned that. Yeah, but it used to be part of the standard examination. And oh, the funny no thing is, it's so, so, and the neat thing is, it's so with, with the OMM, you can treat these ribs and people get better faster. And not only that, like, you know, if once you uh, learn a little bit of visceral manipulation, you find out that you can manipulate the fascias of the lungs that relate to the lungs. And that allows the medicine to get there. It allows the fluid to get pumped out better and, uh, you know, the, the lungs to aerate better. So it's really just one of those neat things you can do with manipulation. And, you know, I, you know, you, you know, so here I've, I've been talking for a little bit, I'm talking about these medical things that I've treated. So, um, yeah, you're right. The bread and butter things that I treat and in, in a day-to-day -day practice is going to be pain, but it's like, I treat a person is what I treat. And, um, you know, we, we see patients with all sorts of things and we're improving their, their foundation of their health is what we're doing when we treat the musculoskeletal system. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, we had a patient call this past week and, um, and they're called, they're moving from out of state and she was like i'm trying to decide where i want to move and i saw i found your website and i wanted to call if you're are you a real osteopath and i'm like yes i'm a real osteopath and she says so you do osteopathic manipulation the gentle stuff i'm like yes i do gentle type of treatments when i treat people i i i and and my understanding of osteopathy has progressed from when I was a student to now. Um, and I, I mean, it's like, the funny thing is, is like, I don't think that um, I, I mean, I was very successful. I've been very successful. I've been very blessed. I've been very lucky, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit better now than I was back when I started 20, 25 years ago. And when I treat people, um, I listen. I'm really, it's, it's really about listening and I listen more than I, you know, I, if I go in thinking I'm going to do this, why would I do something without listening to somebody's body? So I, I, my job is to listen and respond. And I, I tell people all the time that I don't 
treat your body. I listen to what your body is saying. And I, it's asked me to do, so, I, and then I do what it tells me to do. Why would I try to do something it's not telling me to do? And so when you do that, you have a different, um, a different patient experience. People will sit there and it's, it's very hard for the, the past quarter of a century. I've been trying to figure out how do I explain what I do as being different from chiropractic? And, uh, I think what it's coming down to, and I'm not saying that there aren't chiropractors who listen to the body and treat, I'm saying that, um, there's people who go in with a certain, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but I don't force anything. I listen and let the body do what it wants to do. And usually when you do that, um, people's bodies like that. And then, uh, their musculoskeletal system, their nervous system, their whole being can respond in a really positive way. And it's, it's, uh, it's uh, transformational. It's what it is. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a quick break and let you know about our new upcoming program called Lunar Nights. It's a sleep group coaching program for teens who struggle with deep quality and refreshing sleep and struggling with paying attention at school um, due to fatigue. To help them implement many of these mind-body therapies that are evidence-based from two, including me, nationally recognized pediatric integrative medicine physicians adapted from an NIH-funded sleep intervention program that will help transform your child's life from existing on autopilot to achieving their best in life and truly thrive. So email us at hello at healthispowher.com. And um, we can set up a quick 15 to 20 minute call to see if you are a good fit for the program and back to the show. How would you, because I always get asked this question and it's, I think it's hard for me to explain because I haven't been doing any osteopathic manipulative medicine for very long. I've just taken, you know, a couple of courses. And, and so everyone's like, well, what is that? Um, I mean, how do you explain it to uh, patients and how do you explain it to students? Cause I also coach a lot of uh, college students going to med school and nobody, none of these uh, college students know about DO schools. They don't understand what goes on in a DO school. Boy, there's some tough questions there. All right. Number one, how do I explain uh, osteopathy to people? You know, uh, uh, there's there's the there's a, a, a short 30 second answer, which is like, well, it's very similar to chiropractic. Uh, we both are treating the musculoskeletal system and we're, we're both trying to um, optimize health. And then uh, there is the longer answer, which is like, you know, the, I listened, I, I sit there and I listen to the patient and I examine their body. And the best thing, the most funnest thing is when what the patient has told me matches what their body's telling me. That becomes, because that's usually, and that's 80 to 90% of the time, but there's, you know, 10 to 20% of the time where things don't exactly match up. And it's, it's so funny because I, I, again, I saw a patient this week and um, you know, she's, she's like, I, you know, she's in her seventies. She has arthritis in both knees. Her right knee is problematic. It's swelling up and her left knee isn't. I'm like, do you remember any traumas? No. Did you ever break any bones? Yes. I broke my right leg. You know, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, um, my right leg. And then I also, um, you know, by the ankle, I broke my right ankle. I'm like, Okay, so that's why the knee is, you know, she's like a torsional fracture with it. 
I'm like, yeah, that could that could create some strains within the tissues. You know, one of the there one of my friends used to talk about uh um there's a guy, Dr. Bone, he, he's an orthopedic surgeon, true story. Uh, and he says uh, a fracture is a soft tissue injury with bone involved. Fracture or broken bone is a soft tissue injury with bone involved. And, you know, so that kind of talks about the seriousness of um, the soft tissue and uh, its relationship to the bones. And so, you know, that's why, so she, and then, you know, so we're talking a little bit more and she's like, and, and then I have a, what does she have? Um, she has a, she, and then, uh, I don't remember what she had now. Now it's bugging me, but all right. Well, well, I'm sorry. Well, we'll uh, I hope you cut it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So that was soft tissue injury with bone involved. And, you know, so that's, and so that was 30 years ago and she hadn't thought about it. And oh, it was it, 30 years ago. And now she's having, she oh, okay. broke her ankle and, you know, now she's got knee, knee problems. And so, um, you know, it, it's you know that part of the history that people don't think about that those those it's left in our tissues our 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 experience in life is is uh is there and and we you know not every you know not everybody gets things treated you don't know how many patients i see who have had for instance carpal tunnel sy syndrome surgery and i'm like did you have physical therapy efforts no so you just went and had surgery and that just, Oh yeah, you'll be better. And you know, that was that. So it's that, that, that follow up and that follow through and that understanding of, of the complexities of the body. I mean, I, I, I'm in a really neat place that I get to be observant of people. I get to talk to them. I get to take my time with them and find out what they're about and how their history relates to their body. And sometimes they forgot that, but uh, it, I, I can remind them of it. And then we go ahead and treat them and they say, wow, it really does feel better. So it kind of reminds me, um, I think I had some manipulation just to try it out once when I was going to, I think it was my integrative medicine fellowship. And at the time I was having pretty severe endometriosis, uh, constipation, um, and yeah, pretty severe menstrual cramps at the time. And I think, I can't remember what happened, but it was like some manipulation of my pelvic area um, or my SI joints. And I just remember like it, like everything after that was just so much better. Like the pelvic pain, the menstrual cramps, the constipation for just several weeks after I got that manipulation. How, I mean, so how does that correlate? Because you talked about visceral manipulation, but even if you're just working on the musculoskeletal system, how does that correlate to like internal disease? How does, all right. The, uh, see, this is a tricky one. There's been research to, to look at um, how, you know, somatic dysfunction or, you know, basically these, dysfunctions within the musculoskeletal system uh, can result in uh, poor development of tissues. And 
you know, they're, they used to, they did, they've done research. They've been, we have like a lot of research actually built on the osteopathic profession that uh, is, is good research, but uh, it's, it's older now. So, you know, they did 25, 30 years ago, they were inducing somatic dysfunctions in bunny rabbits in the uh, cervical spine and then also in like uh, the upper thoracics. And then, um, you know, this was a long time. This they don't do the same work, but they sacrificed the bunny rabbits, <laughs> and oh. they looked at their hearts. Bunny rabbits that did not have some dysfunction, you know, induced, so like a trauma induced or whatever, in that's neurologically related to the tissue, versus bunny rabbits who 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 did have that induced. And they the literally the 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 hearts of the Bunnies who who had the somatic dysfunction were smaller, had did not beat the way they're supposed to beat. The, so it's like it's very fascinating how that relates. And what there is some great research done uh, when I was at Michigan State while I was there, and what we were looking at was the something called somatic dysfunction burden, which is the severity of the somatic dysfunction. And that was done by uh, Dr. Karen Snyder and uh, a group of us. So it's like, we're, you know, there's a couple of different, you know, I'm, I'm, my name's on one of the papers. When we were examining these patients in the hospital who were getting like uh, endoscopies where they put a tube down your throat and then they're also getting colonoscopies, not always the same patient, but they're, you know, so they were looking uh, colonoscopy where they're looking up the rectum and into their lower intestines. And so what we found out was that we could, uh, if the if the somatic dysfunction burden was high in, in a particular um, set of tissues, and the somatic dysfunction is, is indicated by, uh, burden is indicated by um, the tissues uh, are tender, the, there's uh, restriction of motion, there's, uh, you can palpate that the feeling of the tissues is different in that area. Um, and uh, it's different from the other tissues around it. And this is on the outside of the body that correlated with pathology found in the intestines or in the esophagus and the stomach. And so that was, uh, you know, pretty, to me, that's groundbreaking research. And we actually just, well, and then the other thing was she she, she did another another study that they looked at low back pain and they found that if imagine this if if the somatic dysfunction burden is high then the in a patient with low back pain that indicated that osteopathic treatment would be more successful as opposed to people who had low back pain and the somatic dysfunction burden was low. To me, you know, when I tell this to my colleagues who are like um, PhDs, uh, you know, researchers, they're like, so Jay, basically you're saying that when you looked at patient that actually actually had the disease and you used OMT as the treatment and they, you know, they got better. It'd be like saying that if you had somebody who had cancer versus somebody who didn't have cancer, or you had, if you had cancer, if they had cancer, for one thing, and they had cancer for another thing. And you said, well, let's just give them this cancer drug. But it only treated the one disease and didn't treat the other disease. Then, you know, it's only going to work in the one patient. 
So most osteopathic research, which is kind of sad, uh, has been done trying to use um, osteopathy like a like like a drug. So it's like, oh, I, the complaint is low back pain. We'll just go ahead and look at all these. You know, just throw some osteopathy on it. So so some osteopathic manipulation at it. Well, did the, the patient need the osteopathic? Is that a patient is going to benefit from most? So to me, I think that the greatest research is yet to come because I'm hoping that they'll start doing osteopathic research on people having a higher somatic dysfunction burden. So that would be somebody who has more signs of somatic dysfunction playing a bigger role. Now, the, the neat thing about the body is um, not that doesn't always mean that OMT won't be helpful. Uh, an osteopath uh, looks at the you know body, mind, and spirit. So it's not just manipulation that plays a role. It's a matter of what's going on in a person's life. Let's say they have pain and they get manipulation, they feel better. Uh, you know, they might have depression there too. And suddenly when that feeling better, you know, that sense of well-being is restored, they're, they're, they, they have less depression. And so then that gets, so it kind of can snowball. So it's, those are all things that um, are some of the neat things about uh, treating people and, and, and using, I have a, a patient with post-polio syndrome right now. And post-polio syndrome is um, uh, a sequelae of polio in which a person has pain and they have fatigue and you know they can become depressed. And the thing, neat thing about it is when she gets her manipulation, she feels like she's been restored. She feels like she's got energy. She feels like she can do stuff again. She doesn't have the pain that she had. And, uh, you know, it's like you're giving people back their life. It's, it's really humbling. Wow. I, um, it's it kind of reminds me of, uh, cause we're both medical acupuncturists. And so it, when you're talking about, um, the somatic dysfunction burden, um, so for example, if someone has, yeah, a lot of, you know, thoracic pain and they've lived with it for years, for example, they get skin changes because their nerves are so irritated and they're spewing out inflammatory substances. And then over time that those nerves actually connect to the heart nerves. And so then the heart gets affected. So it all, everything is, is just so connected. And I think that's why learning, um, osteopathic manipulative medicine is, is so it's such an important adjunct, especially for, you know, us physicians who are dealing with chronic health issues, because not only are we treating and helping improve pain, but also lymphatic you know, system, the immune system, sleep, um, uh, organ function, I mean, blood flow, circulation, you name it. And so it's kind of that cascade of, yeah, restoration that you talk about. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, I mean, there's a lot of correlation between uh, acupuncture and osteopathic medicine, definitely. I, I and, um, you know, the neat thing about it, you know, 25 years ago when I was first exposed to acupuncture and uh, one of my mentors said to me, yeah, you'll be able to, you know, 
if if you get really good at manipulation, you'll be able to affect the acupuncture channels and and do changes. You know, and that is a hundred percent true. And you're gonna you're you know you're first of all now that you know you can do that. And the neat thing is, is like you can develop your senses to actually palpate the the flow of chi in the body, which is very cool. Um, and it, you know, it's like, and and there's different levels of chi because you know you've heard about the you know your superficial channels, you have deep channels. You can palpate those different levels, and you can palpate the flow of energy in them. You can say, okay, this person has a, you know, this acupuncture. Problem. So I'm doing less acupuncture than I used to. I still love doing acupuncture, but I don't get to do as much as I like to do, uh, you know, as I used to do. So it's like, um, so it's it's, but it's it's uh it's really fun to, to see that and to, uh, you know, understand it's, you know, I always tell people it's easier. I always start off with doing manipulation because it's easier to make an energetic change, uh, uh, using the mechanics. So if you improve somebody's body mechanics, a lot of times their chi will improve. Um, but, uh, you know, but to sit there and say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and do some acupuncture and that's going to change the way their mechanics are. Um, that's true too, but it's a little bit harder. But oh, the thing about okay. it is some people absolutely need both and some people benefit want more from one than the other. And there's certainly, there's certainly some things I've found that um, seemed like they responded better from, um, from acupuncture than from manipulation. And, and, uh, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm continually humbled because it's like, I've, as I've gotten better at both things, I used to think, Oh, I'm going to have to do acupuncture and manipulation. It's like, I get better with just manipulation or, you know, even the, you know, the contrapositive is true. Same thing with acupuncture. I'll sit there and I'll do an acupuncture treatment. And I'll go and check the patient. Like, well, I guess I don't need to do manipulation today. So it's, it's, uh, it's uh it's all very uh you know interesting as uh you get you know better with both things it's it's really neat yeah i just i yeah i wonder you know as i learn more since i'm going back to residency if i'll if i'll get there at some point and just figure out which one is uh the patient needs um uh, because a lot of, so our back at my headache um, and pain clinic for teen or well, for kids really uh, we, they just did acupuncture. I mean, it was like their favorite treatment all day long. Uh, we were completely full. We couldn't even handle the demand because of how beneficial the acupuncture was for their headaches and migraines and sometimes other types of pain as well. Um, and the research shows that too. I mean, there's the, it's actually very good. Acupuncture is very good for, um, headaches and migraines, but I also know that, um, osteopathic techniques are very beneficial, especially if there is some biomechanical issues, um, which are very common in teens who have posture issues, who have weakness in certain muscles and, or even aren't just, you know, using, um, uh, or even doing as much physical activity as, as, uh, kids should be doing, I would say. So, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, what happens, but, 
I'm excited. I'm excited to move forward with osteopathic neuromusculoskeletal medicine. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how well I do. I, I'm an MD by training everyone, so I don't have as much background as DOs do. And that's why when I coach a lot of students, um, especially in college, um, I do teach about DO schools because a lot of them don't know about it. And I really find DO schools, really, you learn a whole lot more than MD schools because you get that extra training in the musculoskeletal system as well as the manipulation piece. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge advocate. Yeah, somewhere between 80 and uh, uh, close to 200 hours extra, depending on the school. So it's it's very, it's very interesting. Um, there's a lot of pressure in this world because of the information overload that we are going through with research and so there's always more to learn uh, my my daughter is a third year medical student so i and you know i was te been teaching for over a decade in osteopathic schools um and i i can tell you that uh i i appreciate what we um that we didn't have we all you know the limitations of what I had to know when I was a student compared to what they have to know. But I think also, um, you know, it's, and it's funny cause it's like, they, uh, you know, I'll, I'll liken it to this. When I was on my rotations as a student, uh, you know, I think we were on Harrison's book of internal medicine, 11th edition. Okay. So, and it, it might've been 14th edition. It was one of those editions. Okay. Yeah. It was, a, you know, it was a big book with really small words. And I know that book really funny and, uh, you know, very thin pages and, uh, you know, you know, they, the next volume came out and it was two volumes because they couldn't fit it all into one book. Came across the third edition of Harrison's and I'm like looking at this book and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is like thick pages bigger writing, totally doable. I mean, back then it was like, um, oh, uh, you know, for uh, myocardial infarction, uh, what you need to do is you need to rest the patient. There's this new drug called heparin out. Sounds pretty crazy, but we think it might be helpful for people. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. <laughs> so restful, you know, it's like you patients were just, you know, well, they need to be, be in bed for about a week if they have a heart attack. If they survive. So, you know, that was kind of <laughs> what they were at with it. It was a very different <laughs> approach. Um, and I could definitely see where, you know, back when, you know, osteopathy was was new, we, we definitely had a leg up on hospital treatment um, and things. You know, I think we're, I think osteopaths are still needed in hospitals. It, it saddens me that, um, you know, there's, you know, that there's not an osteopath in every hospital doing manipulation. It's like, uh, and the, the sad part, the, the other sad part about it for me is that like people wouldn't know, like, you know, like you're going to be in ATSU uh, and you're going to go and you're going to see patients in the hospital who have pneumonia. For every um, 14 patients that you see, um, you with pneumonia, you save one life. That's huge. You know, you know, when I sit there and I look back and think about the patients who I've seen along the way, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, 
you know, some of those humbling experiences I didn't quite get to tell you about. I mean, um, here in Michigan, uh, I was sitting there, my mom had ablation, uh, cardiac ablation therapy where they go in, they try to burn little autonomous pacemakers for her heart because she had an arrhythmia. Well, the uh, doctor that she was seeing, the cardio, the cardiac, the, the, the cardiac specialist who's, you know, supposed to be really good at this, um, he's no longer at this hospital that he's at. I, he got ran out of town, I think. But he sat there, he put a hole through him. I'm sorry, they didn't tell me about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I literally had, I was holding down to my mom's legs, uh, you know, doing, you know, and just trying to help her nervous system continue to function and send energy and, um, you know, through and make sure that things were continuing to uh, move, you know, as far as the normal motion of the fluids of the body. And um, I had, I did that for about two hours. She was shocking for about two hours. And, uh, you know, she had, you know, she could have died. And it's like, you know, I, I think about patients like that, that I've seen along the way, um, you know, it's just very humbling that it's, you know, I, I feel guilty that I don't, I, you know, I've, when I was here in Michigan, I was on staff at like four hospitals. Um, and I, the only possible, I didn't go and see patients in the hospital, you know, didn't open myself to seeing patients at was probably the hospital that they would have consulted me at. And that was because they had a residency program. I want them to consult the residents. So as a, you know, on the, at these other hospitals, nobody ever consulted in the hospital for for an osteopathic physician. I just, I think about that. If we could just get to the point where we're looking for some active function burden in patients where it makes sense, you know, you know, I, you know, I've sat there, I saw patients who are like, oh, um, I have, I, you know, consulted because they had neck pain while they're having a myocardial infarction. They had neck pain for 10 years. They consulted me because, oh, they had neck pain. And they were being airlifted out to get, you know, a stent put in, treated the patient's neck. And she's like, I can't believe it took me to have a heart attack to get rid of my neck pain of 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Now, there is probably a good chance that that neck pain was um, partially generated from the, you know, ischemia problems that she was having in her heart. And it just wasn't recognized. You know, that goes back to those studies that were done 25 years ago. See, we kind of came full circle back to those studies. And, you know, the thing is, is like, uh, you know, that's not commonly available. And, and for patients in the hospital, it just drives me a little batty. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy to uh, be able to see my patients in the Kansas City area right now and help people. I, I you know, I, and, and, you know, I still you know, patients still reach out to me here in Michigan to, uh, you know, for advice. And I mean, it's just like, it's just uh, uh, very humbling. Uh, you know, the more I uh, go on in life, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I I don't, I, 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 I realize um, that I'm pretty much an expert in this osteopathic stuff. But at the same time, there's so much more. And they're just, you know, I'm so ignorant about so many things. And I, 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 I will own that. And, you know, with pa when patients come to me and they ask me about things, I always tell them, you know, I don't know, but I'll learn uh, more about it and see what I can come up with. Because I know that my resources are different 
from your average patient because I'm a professional and I can go uh, look at things in a different light. And I've been, you know, and if anything, my resources, resources from my education experience from being a, a physician in the hospital, you know, in the, you know, you know, being department chair at different places and, you know, schools and everything. I've uh, had to learn how to become a really good researcher to a certain extent. And uh, um, that I think is beneficial to my patients. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because one of the reasons why I decided to leave a director of this, you know, treatment center at the hospital at this large academic medical center that I was working at was because they weren't allowing uh, osteopathic uh, manipulation, even though, you know, 30 or 40% DOs were on staff. And I think they, the leadership had a total misconception of what, um, you know, OMM is. And so they thought it was too dangerous for um, children. It's too dangerous for adults. And um, it's too much liability when most of what we do has uh, is very gentle. And actually all the research that's been done, especially in children that I know about um, from putting on workshops at the um, national organizations is there are no adverse reactions in children if you're doing it the correct way um, and you have the experience. So, so, you know, that's why I'm going back and, and learning because I just find that it is a huge service to patients, especially with all to save a life. I, I totally agree with that. There are so many other things that we can do that's not in conventional healthcare right now that we can definitely be saving more lives. We can be helping more people with, um, many, many complex health issues, um, that O&MM is definitely beneficial. It's, it's a lot safer than, um, they did the, the position paper, the position statement for the American Osteopathic Association on cervical manipulation is that, um, for, for, uh, osteopathic manipulation, it's like one in a million on average, uh, uh, cervical manipulations have an adverse reaction, but like for somebody who's on like aspirin, it's like one in 200,000 there, you know, there's, you know, uh, hundreds of a hundred over a hundred thousand, uh, admissions a year, uh, because of, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory or related problems to the hospitals across our, just our country. Um, it's actually well over that, but I'm no, being, it is. Being I was like, no, there's more. There's, there's, you know, there's so, you know, but when it comes to like osteopathic manipulation, I can assure you that it's like, uh, knock on wood. I, uh, I've been practicing for, uh, for, uh, 25 years and I haven't had anyone who's had an adverse reaction from it. I've had patients who were in pain when they came in and, you know, they didn't get better from a treatment, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, my goal isn't always to make somebody pain-free. Now it's, it's a little bit better because I can, you know, if it's not to the point where I'm like satisfied with it, I, I might do some acupuncture instead, you know, add that in, but, uh, you know, generally, I mean, it's an even, you know, but the majority of people, you know, like 90 percent of the people who leave my office leave feeling better than when they came in um it's 
probably higher than that but it's you know and and it's like uh it's it's kind of it's interesting because i'm you know it's in the past my uh, this office has been open about six months and uh the only problem is i i'm getting people well almost as fast as i'm getting new patients so it's like uh, and it's like and that's why i'm like uh, i guess i guess i'm getting better because instead of it taking you know i used to tell people it takes me about four treatments to get to know the way your body works. And, you know, I'd like to see you once a, once to every one to two weeks while I get to know the way your body works. And then from there, we'll just start spacing out. Now it's like, you know, it's really, really, I say, I'll say three or four, but it's really three treatments. And then, um, you know, and it's, and it's, uh, and the funny thing is sometimes they're getting better after one or two treatments. So it's just like, man, this stuff is like, maybe I'm getting really good. Yeah, you're I getting do, really good. It's great. For patients and it's like and you know ultimately they send me more more people but it's like uh it's so funny because it's like um i you know it's it's definitely a different type of practice than i've ever had and it's 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 uh very satisfying in a lot of ways to see patients being better i, I there are patients who are chronic pain patients who um they're just looking to feel better in between treatments. And, uh, you know, I remember this first, the, one of the, my earliest patients I saw, I was, um, I was moonlighting for myself during my residency, um, at another hospital. And I was their pain management special, I was their OMM specialist there. That's when, you know, the Michigan state was said that, you know, it was requiring schools to have, or hospitals to have OMM. So I was their pain management specialist and I'd have a Saturday clinic and in would come in um, these patients uh, who were, uh, you know, this one lady came in, she was, she was in her eighties. She never had a pain a day in her life, never. Hmm. And then she got a third degree burn on her shoulder. And she said, you know, she was in the hospital and she said at the end of a week, that superficial pain suddenly felt like it went deep into my, you know, bones. And they ended up, she came in with a stack of x-rays about an inch thick x-ray. Just like they, they x-rayed her from top to bottom. She walks in, I'm looking, her body was riddled with arthritis, never had pain. That, That arthritis did not develop like overnight. That's been there. She was active her entire life. She was active and even examining her. It's like, you know, I was very impressed with, you know, the way her, you know, musculoskeletal system was. And so I started treating her and um, I would ask her every time, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, and she'd say, how do you feel? And she's about the same. So after, you know, six months of treatment, I said, man, you know what? I don't feel like I'm doing anything for you. You're coming in every week. I'm seeing you and um, you're just say, you say that you're about the same. She says, Dr. Danto, you misunderstand me. I'm like, oh, and she's like, yes. When I first started seeing you, I'd feel better for a day. And then I started feeling better for two days. And now I feel better for three days. And so I said, well, so what you're saying is at this rate, by the time, you know, you'll be like better for like a week or two in about six more months. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's, yeah. And I'm like, oh, and it's like, you know, that, you know, that was like, I was very early in practice. I didn't understand, like, you know, I just, I just felt like, you know, um, you know, I didn't understand dosing. I, you know, didn't have, 
huge mentors in my training, you know, who were doing manipulation. So I didn't have anyone, you know, I, you know, they were, I was, did a little bit of work at the school where I was at and I was worked with those guys there. And, um, you know, they were seeing chronic patients pretty regularly, but I, I didn't, you know, wasn't always there every day. You know, I was there a couple of times a week. So it's like when I finally sat there and I, I had to figure all this, all these things about dosing and how often people need to be seen on my own. And it's just so neat. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where like, when, you know, when do you want to see this patient next? And it's like, I'm always a, hmm, and I'm trying to figure out like judging where their musculoskeletal system is, where can it be, you know, I, I do an exercise prescription with my patients, um, you know, to the tune where everyone, everyone eventually gets some kind of exercise prescription. I've written a book on normalization of muscle function. Exercise prescription is a big part of that. Um, so, and I, I have at my website, I mean, and it's totally uh, free for people to go and see is uh, it says self-care and it has exercise prescription things that are pretty important for people to do. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something, I mean, I literally got up this morning and did um, a lot of the exercises that are just right on my website. And it's like, it's, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I have to do that to keep myself healthy. So it's like, we take for granted often that uh, the way our bodies work, but we're also in a time, I think in general, people are, not taking for granted as much and they do yoga they do all sorts of things um and uh then they can sit there and they say well i'm doing all these great things for myself i do crossfit how come i'm not feel how come i don't feel great and it's like you know it's like i'm like you know it's like it gets back to like Yes, you're in great shape as far as your muscles and your uh, and your uh, you know tendons, but you know maybe that's not what your body wants at this point in your life. <laughs> you know? No, exactly. So it's, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting thing. Uh, um, you know, aging and activity and what our bodies are trying to communicate to us, and it's like I said. We, we try to tell, you know, just like I was, you know, in my practice, I, it's much better if we learn to listen than to just, you know, tell our bodies, well, this is what we want you to do. Um, you know, if we can learn to listen, if we can find that groove so that we're working with our bodies and working with ourselves and generally we're healthier. Yeah. And that's what I try and teach in my coaching programs is that is pretty much the mainstay of your own using your own intuition to heal yourself because you are your greatest teacher. You're your greatest healer. And it, it you just have to take the time to listen. Um, and we don't often, I mean, I took, it took me quite some time to figure out, you know, that piece for myself or a lot of the health issues I've experienced. So, um, so tell us a little bit about your clinic before we wrap up so people know where to find you, uh, how to make an appointment, uh, where you're at, the whole deal. Well, we are um, on the corner of, uh, we're, we're on the corner of Berry Road and North Oak Trafficway um, in uh, just a little bit north of Gladstone in Kansas City, and uh, uh, just down the street from uh, what's that mall that's out there? Um, my I know it. It is, yeah. That isn't that where um, where I used to work, Children's Mercy. Wasn't there that clinic there too? 
<laughs> yes, that's exactly right. They have a Children's Mercy Clinic out there. Right, too. I just can't remember what it's called. Oh, great. My mind block is... Uh, uh, is, is uh... I'm terrible at names. Okay, well, you know, I'm... North. North of Kansas City. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's about 15 minutes from the airport. It's, so it's not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's about 15 minutes from downtown. It's a really neat area. Um, I really, uh, uh, enjoy being in that area. It just seemed like the right place. Uh, and a lot of things came together, uh, for the clinic, um, at the right time, uh, you know, found the right place. Uh, it's so funny cause it's a, it's a, I, my office is, it was a credit union before, uh, you know, before I entered it. It was so funny. So I was in a place in, in, in this mall and it had like, they're like, oh yeah, we have a perfect place for you. It used to be a chiropractor's office. And I looked at the chiropractor's office. I looked at the credit union office and I said, I think I want to be in the credit union. <laughs> and it just, um, has a great energy to it. Um, and it's like, it's so neat. Um, I, because uh, once you start uh, um, getting, you know, healing energy within a room, within, within a place, people feel better there. It's just like, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a neat place. Because, you know, it's like, I, I see that happening already. It's like, uh, you know, people, it, it's like people arrive and they feel better and that's just a wonderful mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It it makes a difference in your the energy of the environment that you're in. And so, yeah, and I I try and refer as many patients I can to you until I can start seeing my own patients. Um and then I definitely still want to learn from you as soon as I can get out there before residency starts. <laughs> well, um yeah, you're more than welcome and uh, I you know, it's like I I I you know, for my entire career, I always wanted, I want to see osteopathy grow. So I'm so happy that you're, I mean, you know, I know you're an allopathic physician, you're an MD, but that you're trained in osteopathy. I mean, it's like I, I and I actually had, <laughs> I actually had uh, in my practice when I started in Michigan, I had for a year, a pediatrician who did uh, cranial manipulation, who is an MD. And she had learned the cranial, oh, she had learned the cranial manipulation. Um, I think she was doing upledger cranial. And so she learned it and she just was so moved by its promise that um, she wanted, that's the practice that she wanted. So she worked with in my office for a, a, about a year before she went and opened her own office. So that was for like really neat to see her practice develop and uh, to see, you know, in, in the, you know, uh, to help her uh, and her growth. And I would love to, uh, you know, do that for you as well. Yeah. I think well, it, yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Just keeping medicine to be more complete because uh, so many people need it. Um, it. It's just more holistic and, and complete. And that's what I've always just been trying to go toward because, you know, learning what we've learned in MD school is just not enough. It's, it's just definitely not enough to help our patients. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, 
But thanks so much, everyone. You can um, find his clinic at dantoosteopathic.com. It's uh, D as in dog, A, N as in Nancy, T, O, osteopathic.com. So Dr. J. Danto. And I'll have everything in the podcast details and the show notes as well for you to check out the clinic. Um because uh, it is just, I mean, one of the few clinics, you know, in like in the area that I know of. Yeah, there's, there's, um, I think there's three osteopathic clinics in all, all of, uh, well, well, three osteopathic clinics in all of Kansas City, one of which is uh, they're retiring. And then the other one, I'm not, I haven't been out to theirs. There's, they're on the Kansas side. And then um, some of my colleagues at uh, Kansas City University, where I used to teach at one point, um, they're uh, opening up a clinic, but they're part-time, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, hopefully we have uh, some good hours available for people. I I can't imagine, I, I, I it was so funny because I, I thought, I really thought that as soon as I opened this clinic, I'd be like, busy like gangbusters i just thought that you know people you know it's like but i think that um i think like you had alluded to there's a lot of do's kansas city didn't have kansas city university didn't have the best rep at one point for osteopathic training and uh and i think that you know they they were pretty um they're 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 very basic they were very basic and they don't necessarily understand the specialty level at which I can practice and what you're going to be learning about. And I think you're going to, you're, it's like, it's something people need. And it's like, I, I just wish that uh, people were more aware of what we do, but the thing is, it is what it is. And um, I think it's going to, uh, I think it's going to progress in Kansas City for sure. So I'm excited about the future and I'm excited about your future. So yeah. And that's why we're having this podcast. So people know more about it because so many of my patients that I encounter didn't know anything. And, and I mean, a lot of doctors don't know either. So I'm hoping if you are listening to this podcast episode, um, you know, please rate and review, subscribe, share the episode. Um, I think a lot of people could use the help from an osteopathic physician, especially if they're dealing with pain and chronic health issues. Um, it's just so important to have as part of your care. And so reach out to Dr. Danto at dantoosteopathic.com. And thanks so much for being on the show, Dr. Danto. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, I'm, I, I'm so excited about, uh, listening more to your shows. I, I, I've, 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 I true, truly uh, been enjoying when I drove, I listened to a whole bunch of episodes. It's been fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate Thanks. Your, power and your, energy. your power and your power and your energy and your empowerment. <laughs> <laughs> power, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Danto. We'll see you later. All right.
Thanks for listening all the way to the end, everyone. I hope you love Dr. Jay Danto. And if you're in the area in Kansas City, check him out. Um, The one big favor I have of you since we have made the top 5% rate globally for this podcast is to continue to rate and review and subscribe. Um, When you rate and review us, it just helps reach more and more people with this type of information education. This is a labor of love, and we would love to spread the good word. So thanks so much for all your support. I'm so appreciative. Let us know what you guys are up to. If you guys have any topics in mind, please send me an email or um, find us on Instagram, DM us, um, Facebook as well. I'm at hello at healthispower.com. And our website, you can also um, schedule a free chat with us at healthispower.com. Take care, everyone.